Welcome to This Week in Common Sense with Paul Jacob. Here's Paul. This week, we talked about, you know, our, our society falling apart like we usually do. We talked about a uh, a package deal, which was the effort that was on Monday. It was, you know, the effort in Congress to block uh, TikTok. And I don't know too many people who are more concerned about the Chinazis over in China uh, than I am. But we pointed out that this is, they're talking about giving themselves tremendous power, giving the government uh, tremendous power to censor all kinds of things. And that's a lot of the problem, um, is them censoring all kinds of things and the narratives we keep being fed. And when you think about, when I think about China, I think about the United States of America facilitating a essentially, you know, communist, totalitarian, really Nazi. That's really, the, and, and we've gone through on scripts and on these uh, podcasts why that's so true uh, and that it, it fits them much better. The term that came out of Hong Kong and the protesters there, they refer to the CCP as Chi-Nazis. Um, but our government has facilitated that. As we've pointed out many, many times, uh, uh, we don't say that the United States government is as vicious and evil as as the CCP-run Chinese government, but they'd like to be, and um, and that's really the problem. They and and you know is that hyperbole? Yeah, for a lot of folks, thank God it is. <laughs> but but there is this totalitarian tendency. And this is, it. it's not from Trump, it's way before Trump, but it's it's alive and well in the Biden administration, but it's been coming for a long time, uh, many years ago, it seems like 10 years ago, I told somebody that I, I feel like I live in the freest totalitarian society in the history of, of the world. And there is that impulse. Orwell pointed it out many, many years ago, because World War II gave rise to that, um, and, and it's there. And, you know, this week we didn't really write anything about, uh, uh, the, the leaker and the, the fact that there's all these classified documents out there. Um, but it's, you know, we, we live in a very secret society. Our government is secret in all kinds of ways. And I think we all recognize how, you know, you can't, you can't print, Hey, we're at war and we're going to be, you know, we're going to be attacking right here at this time tomorrow because your enemies might read the paper and, and stop you. Everybody recognizes some need for certain things to remain secret. But we have a, a, uh, a government that can't keep a secret. They keep zillions of secrets. They collude with social media and pay social media and and work with social media in ways that are just categorically, obviously unconstitutional in a violation of our First Amendment rights. Um, but they leak like a, a sieve and and anything. I mean, none of our information is safe for the government. 
because of all the different leaks and, and problems. And some of them because some leaker did something, some of them because they weren't protected very well. And obviously there's, there's uh, enemies out there who might, might like that information. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I'm not, I'm not thrilled with these leaks. It doesn't have, to me, it doesn't have the feel of, uh, the guy in the in the background here, uh, Edward Snowden, and those leaks, which were about spying on American citizens and so on, um, but I I suspect we're not going to have too many. Uh, we're going to hear a lot of moaning, but it's it's mainly more embarrassing than it is damaging. And the damage, to the extent there is any, is to the lives of the U.S. government, because if those documents are true. And since we haven't really seen them, almost nobody's really seen these documents. The journalists aren't telling us much about them. Finding them now is almost impossible. So it's, this is this is all a rather kind of peculiar story It's hard, and hard to follow. But right. the shocking thing about it was the Russians haven't been hit as hard as we've been told. That's what was in the documents, is that they had m many fewer Russian soldiers have been killed, according to these documents, than that have been reported. I have not heard that. That's not one of the things I'd heard. That's interesting. Yeah. That's the thing that I think they're trying to keep. The other is that Ukrainians have been uh, dealt huge blows, uh, and the whole thing is not working very well. That and that's why this became so that's a, such a big deal. Is the government wants to string us along on this war that I don't think is winnable. Now, uh, and they're not honest. If they were ever honest at any point, we could have had a discussion of it and maybe even declared war. But they, that's just all nonsense because. The government doesn't want the American people to have be in any have any say in what wars they go into. It seems to me <clears throat> you can supply arms, and at a certain point, if if the person you're supplying arms to is winning and winning too much, and the other side has nuclear weapons, that can be a problem. Um, it seems to me that if I were president, I'd want a negotiated into this war just as soon as you could possibly negotiate one and you know you can do all the well that's up to you the ukrainians it's really up to us in terms of us continuing to provide uh weapons and so on i think if i were president tomorrow they just kick everybody out of the way and said paul jacob where where are you come on down kind of like the price is right the presidency is right and uh i would not stop I mean, I'd want to hear all the all the classified briefings that that haven't been leaked in the last few days, and and learn more, obviously, and that might change how I would behave. But going in, I would not look to stop anything. I'd look to get to the negotiating table, and of course, you want to negotiate from strength, not weakness. So you're not going to stop sending arms and that sort of things. But I suspect. This is, you know, so often they, they talk about we need to negotiate and find a solution. And you think no one's seriously negotiating and the solution is not very easy to find. And so that's just a bunch of words. At the beginning of this thing, the United States sent Boris Johnson, you know, the emissary from Great Britain. They sent him off to uh, Ukraine and put a halt to all the Turkey talks. The, the negotiation was halted at the beginning. Right. Well, it, the, the truth is, at the beginning, was probably not a good time to negotiate. If you, if you think about it, I mean, you, you could go negotiate, but they're attacking, and you're expecting. It seems to me the expectations, my own, but is but only because I'm reading the the Washington Post and listening to what these guys are saying in Washington. My expectation is that Ukraine gets beat really quickly, 
that Russia just overwhelms them with a lot more military might, soldiers, equipment. And uh, and that didn't happen. So it seems to me you don't negotiate then because there's nothing to negotiate. You're 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 not in a good position. But but so quickly, Ukraine and the United States, in terms of the proxy, you know, behind them, giving them the material, we're in a good position. We're not in a, a bad one to negotiate something. And and maybe maybe they don't return every stitch of territory. It seems to me at that point you you know you you got tough choices to make, but man, there's a lot of people being killed, and there's the threat of a lot more people being killed. So you you have to you have to weigh some of that, and I think you have to you have to look at well, what are you going to do different? I mean, I think part of the part of the problem is is the U.S. has gotten very used to just saying how it's going to be. Because we had military might that was, you know, was just untouchable. And um, I think we're still the number one power in the world. And frankly, given the choices, number one is always my favorite place to be. But uh, and especially when it comes to military might. Um, but we're not untouchable. And and fighting a war against Russia or against China, especially with the nuclear stuff in the background, this is very serious stuff. And 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 we don't treat it seriously. We do not. We are not a serious society anymore. And I'll just mention uh, a couple more scripts so people. Uh, but it feeds into the fact that we're not a serious society anymore. On Tuesday, we had partisanship and pretense, and this is the whole. Tennessee story, these guys, one of whom previously had been kicked out of the Capitol for throwing a cup of, full of liquid at the Speaker of the House. This is before he was a member, when at least he could say, hey, I'm a protester. This is, uh, oh, I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to have his last name, uh, but Justin. And, and I'm, I'm not even going to go. I could go find his last name. I don't even care. You know, he's not the worst guy who ever breathed air on this earth or anything. I don't want to, I'm not trying to demonize these, the two black guys who were kicked out or the woman who wasn't kicked out because she never got around the bullhorn. But these are legislators now. They have a certain history of kind of playing fast and loose. But, you know, I, I'm I'm hip to playing fast and loose. If you're on the outside and you're trying to hold power accountable i'm i i i think we should bend over backwards and i've been on their side so sometimes you know oh well you were exactly what you should have been and perfect in every way and it's like we're fighting the man pal and and that's the way it is but when you're the man and in tennessee these are legislators they have a voice they've been elected they're part of the process they may not win every vote but you're not guaranteed to win every vote i don't know any form of government I'd want to live under that you're guaranteed to win every time you you vote. And they they have a protest where they're using a bullhorn on the on the Capitol, uh, uh, basically on the floor of the House. That's not good. Now, is this the right way to, to deal with it, that you expel them and then they're reelected? And of course, we can all debate that. The problem is we're not debating that. Instead, the media has lionized these guys 
as saviors of democracy and that if you don't like people who are elected representatives basically coming to the Capitol with a bullhorn and stopping the process. I mean, you could label these folks, and a lot of people on the right have, that this is a uh, insurrection at the Capitol. And in essence, it is. It is taking over the... But, you know, the truth is, you had a, you had somebody killed, one person, on January 6th. That was a much, much, much more serious situation. And I'm not sure I would call it an insurrection. In fact, I wouldn't call it an insurrection. Um, and I don't consider what they did to be an insurrection. But it wasn't the right way to behave, and I don't think they had any license. And our society cannot judge that. We And we don't even have a conversation about any of the things that we ought to fix about the process. It's simply demonizing the other side. Hate, hate, hate. It's like George Orwell He's got to be like in heaven going, let me go back down because there was one thing that got slightly wrong. Everything else, exactly like I thought, you know, is that we live in such an Orwellian society. And then on Wednesday, we had trans violent, violent. And, uh, and this is uh, 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 Riley Gaines, struggling for her first name, Riley Gaines, uh, who is a all-American swimmer and has been competing uh, against uh, uh, Miss Thomas and uh, uh, Thomas being a biological man and uh, and swimming as a trans woman and and it just you know it just so it just seems so obviously not quite fair. And you can have one category and everybody's in it. That's fine with me. Women aren't going to like that. And it seems like it, it, it. this is the other funny thing. And not ha-ha funny, but weird funny. What kind of society just wants to beat people about the head? Women have to be given all the same scholarships and everything else in sports at the collegiate level even though there's a huge disparity in terms of viewership of, of men's sports versus women's sports and so on. And, and of course, somebody out there might have the idea, well, that's because men won't watch women in sport. No, no, we're the ones watching. It's the women who aren't watching women in sports. It's the men who have run out of other sporting events to watch who say, uh, and I watched the uh, the NCAA final uh, game, uh, women's basketball. And and look, if the final men's game had been on at the same time, I can tell you I'd be watching the men's game. It's at a higher level because physically they're at a different level. They can sky up like way above the rim and stuff. It, what, what's going on physically, athletically, in sports is incredible um and and it's it's neat i think um almost scary how how strong and fast uh people are getting much faster and stronger than they used to be and women are too and i have played basketball against women and i have gotten my shot blocked by a woman um and and so it's it's not like they can't play 
And I loved watching that game. That was a great game, but it's not the same game as the men's game. And, and it's almost like none of that discussion can we even have. It's, it's like, oh, no, we have to, uh, women, 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 women are great. Men kind of stink. Um, and, you know, there, there's a level of truth to that. But, but it's, it's the sort of thing where we have all of that. And then the moment that, um, that we have a new group that we're going to give preference to, trans folks, then it's trans women are women. And so uh, is it Leah Thomas? Yeah, I think it is. Um, and uh, I, with my computer, I had to find everything and, and I, then I'd have to put my glass on so I could actually see. Um, but, but he was on the men's team for three years in college. He didn't, he wasn't close to the top. He then switches, comes a she. He then joins the women's team. She joins the women's team and is breaking records. Now, that's just, that just seems bizarre. So from a political standpoint, that's the side that's winning. The side that says Leah Thomas has rights to be considered a woman in every legal respect even though biologically, which, you know, is sort of important. Bio, you know, the, the biology of the, of the planet, you know, it's, it's not like that's just the, you know, uh, what, what, what difference does that make? Well, anyway, the biology of it, um, it ain't, it, it just is, is completely ignored. So that's one part of it. Here's the second part, which is even more disgusting, and that is that Riley Gaines can't even speak to an audience to say, here's why I think this is wrong. And it's almost always portrayed as, uh, as I mentioned in this piece, that, it, it, you know, somehow you're trying to say these people can't compete. Well, no, 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 they can compete. Everybody's got to have a chance to compete. They just have to compete on the biological side they're on and not on the gender identity side. That's, it seems to me that's awfully fair. I guess that's where the fairness would be. Uh, there's no equality in this, in the sense that there's no equality in sports. It's all about hierarchies of success and vanquishing your enemies and opponents and just being better than somebody else or being a loser. Uh, that, and most people are losers. That's That's the way sports is. You know, there's a lot of talk about transgender, about the you know the, the you know being in the wrong body and having you know gender dysphoria. Is, looks like this person has a fetish. Uh, this is you know autogynophilia, and uh, and that's an interesting and bizarre thing that's very different. I think people are not talking um, honestly about the variety in trans. There's a lot of reason to believe it that this person. Uh, is is uh, has a sexual interest in being a woman. It's not, I am a woman. It's a sexual turn on to being a woman. This is a, this is what transvestites used to be. I think it's a very interesting subject. <laughs> no, I know why it's so difficult to talk about because already I don't want to talk about it. I think people who talk about sex a lot, ne almost never about gender. In fact, I believe in the separation of gender and state. 
Uh, you can talk about gender all you want, but I don't want to hear it in, the, in the terms of law and government. And uh, so I'm so Leah Thomas, you know, he can, he, he can do what he wants, but uh, when you're weird, I mean, it, I mean, that's another thing. You know, it's a very odd thing for a passable, uh, semi-athletic man to turn him to, to pretend to be a woman and do all sorts of things to make himself look like a woman. And be a fairly ugly woman, but very good in sports. That's a very odd thing to do, because you know the the the, the women that he's competing against. Look, I'm not going to say this just as a heterosexual male here. This is this is the point that I often notice is that the the women he's competing against look a lot better than he does. That's something you don't hear anybody talk about. Uh, <laughs> well, people don't state their preferences, but it's funny you say that because if I were to think about who's prettier and who's more attractive. You're right. <laughs> and I suspect we would find just tremendous agreement across the board. But but here's the, the point I've tried to make in this piece. Again, it's all about that we're supposed to walk on eggshells and we can't offend anybody. And I think these discussions don't offend anybody uh, unless they're just jumping to be offended. It's respectful of people to discuss things seriously and to take them seriously and to give them your honest opinion and not in a mean way. And I su suggest in this piece that we love trans people. And, and I know people who are transgendered and I, I happen to love them as people. And I, I, I don't want, I don't have any anger toward them. And I also don't see them as standing behind the trans activists. They're not saying, thank goodness these trans activists are out there, and, and they may in some cases, um, but I don't see it, not in the cases I know of. Um, they don't see those folks as somehow defending them. Now, look, I think people are scared socially, all kinds of, there was an article in the Post the other day that, uh, you know, transgender kids look back at high school with, you know, and with terrible memories. Well, you know, there's a lot of people who look back at high school with terrible memories. And, and I'm not one of them. Not that there were some terrible memories, but I had other good memories. And, you know, if you look at the bright side, if you're a pathological optimist like I am, you know, it, it doesn't get you down. But, but that's part of it. It's kind of like some people are disadvantaged. They've had to overcome problems. And you think about that for a second, you realize everybody I know is disadvantaged in one way or another. And I don't mean to say that it's all equal. Everyone's equally disadvantaged in their own way. Sometimes people are seriously disadvantaged and sometimes they're really not. They're advantaged in all kinds of ways. But it's like, I, it doesn't make me hate the person who's advantaged. All I'm asking that person to do is, 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 uh, Go to it. Get every do everything you can. And you know what? That's the same thing I want for the person who's disadvantaged. And and we we live in a society where we want to create this perfect pretend land. There's no seriousness about actually, you know, doing it, I think. Although as, as, as we get further into modern times, there's a lot of fear that there is, you know, in terms of uh, I remember the story from many what a couple of months ago about the the gas stoves and 
and the fact that, you know, oh, they made up that we were trying to get rid of these. And then all of a sudden you see that, yes, they were trying to get rid of these. But they, you know, they do want to basically run every aspects of our lives. And so when they start to talk about very personal issues, it gets gets even scarier. For me, there's only three real issues involved here. The, the reason I get I find this interesting, other than the theoretical, the, the theoretical is fascinating because I find trans to be an interesting thing. For instance, I don't believe it's possible, point blank, that you can change your sex. You can't. So it's all something else. You're imitating. I use the word ape because I don't care. I, I'm not trying to be loving to anybody. Uh, I, you know, they just, I just, that, that's that's the, that's a bedrock truth. Because we are so far away from being able to change our sexes because the sex goes right down into the bones and into the genes of human beings and it goes deep. You do have a very small number of uh, hermaphrodites and yeah. you and you have times at birth that they're making a sexual determination. And I mean, that that's rare. And there's no known cases in the history of the world of a Teresius situation where somebody has had both gametes that are successful, that they can impregnate somebody and and get pregnant no one's ever no human's ever done that so that's a real limitation and that's interesting i thought there was actually going into this subject i thought there was uh but the real thing is there's there's three issues involved and one of them is sports this you know the segregation of the sports into male and female the other um is uh is this free speech issue and trans you know, for the last five, six, seven years, it's been a worldwide effort by the leftist community of the trans, you know, of, of the intersectionalist left, basically, to tell us what we must talk about, how we must react to other people. Right. There's nothing more off-putting than to be told how you will refer to everyone. You're such a nice person. I, But I, I'm at war with these people because they're anti-free speech. It's just important to realize who these people are. Yeah, sure. Like and I say, it is only a small subset, uh, but they're the leftist subset. They're the dangerous subset. Not just leftist in case somebody has a has a generous uh, definition of leftist. I didn't use it. We decided not to use it in this piece, but Marxist. This is the, the, the trans activists that, and I don't know that I even got to it, that shut down this speech. Um, I, I shouldn't say that. They didn't cause a disturbance that held Riley Gaines in a back room for three hours until almost midnight. She missed her flight out and the San Francisco police had to come in and clear a way for her to leave afterwards. But that didn't happen until the end of her speech. And I mentioned that because the president of San Francisco State University, where this event happened, was very congratulatory about what a wonderful job they did to allow this kind of questionable speech to go on. And it just is infuriating when you realize, and then kind of admits when she's questioned that uh, unfortunately there was a slight disturbance and she was delayed leaving three hours, fearing for her life. She was hit a couple of times Um yeah, and this is it's, a free speech issue. This is where free speech is at an issue, and it yeah. intersects with this with with this other thing. No arrests, and I believe still the last time I checked, which was days afterwards, this is last week that this happened. So still no arrests. 
no one's going to pay a price if you come and beat up a woman and they didn't stay, you know, they weren't able to punch her over and over again. She wasn't, you know, hospitalized or anything. We can all really congratulate ourselves on that. But we live in a society where if a woman gives a speech that some people don't like, she may get slugged a couple times and be threatened for her life. And the price that the people who do that pay is nothing. It's free. In fact, they're congratulated by the president of the university. Now, she might say, I didn't care. She, she congratulated the way that they did this. What a wonderful university they are. She should be mortified. And and it, and it's not, look, look, bad things can happen on any campus. It's not like, you know, we can hold it against San Francisco State University because there were disturbance on their campus. But when you applaud it and hide it and play this stupid game, um, yes, it's yours. It's your disturbance. The president of San Francisco State University, I have no more respect for her than I do for the people who slugged Riley Gaines as she was trying to leave her speech. That's a really important point. And the other issue that, that, that the trans issue has brought up is the uh, what I consider the corruption of children issue, the the pushing children, young young people, to engage in hormonal replacement therapy and the lopping off of body parts. And this has gone on. Uh, we, have, we have friends who deny that it goes on, but that's just not true. It goes on a lot, and this is very dangerous. Oh, it does go on. It does go on. And, and, and I think, again, this is another place where um, I think most people, most trans people, who are going through these things would say, no, a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 16-year-old, you should be legal age. And, and I think you have to at least consider the parental rights part of this. You could be a parent who happens to believe that it's so critical that they, you know, postpone puberty or, or take hormones or whatever and, and change their sex or their gender. And, and so I want to be respectful of them, but I just think that, you know, in, in terms of a society, it's very easy to say, wait. And considering that this tends to happen much more during that time period when people are adolescents, and, and there are some people who do regret it afterwards. I don't know what the numbers are, but you see stories. And... And so, you know, it, it, it seems like in some schools, you can't give a kid an aspirin without getting parental permission, but you can change their gender. Well, Thursday's piece was very different, right? Do anything, which is, uh, people should go read this, but uh, in North Dakota, the term limits folks, I happen to be on the board of U.S. Term Limits and a big supporter of term limits uh, through Liberty Initiative Fund. And personally, they passed term limits by initiative in North Dakota, but it has a provision. And this is a new provision. And gosh, do I love it that the legislature can't propose any changes to it, that any changes to that part of the Constitution must come through the citizen initiative process. And it basically tells the legislators in a sort of backhanded way that I see, don't screw up the citizen initiative process because you'll never change your own term limits if you do. 
uh, but more than anything, says you've got to go out and actually get support, that you can't just use your power to keep putting things on the ballot. And some people might say, well, what if they want to bring up somebody is unsatisfied or whatever? Look, we, we started passing term limits in 1990. They've been passed in all these states um, and cities uh, in, in uh, the city of Nashville. They voted on it six times since it was passed in 1994. So that and every time because the the council keeps bringing up, oh, we need to we need to get rid of them. We need to give ourselves an extra term. We need to do all kinds of things. And uh, and so they passed this thing in North Dakota. It's term limits. And it basically says the legislature can't do anything about it. Well, the legislature immediately got a bill together to do to basically change it. And uh, and and not to repeal term limits, even though that's what they want to do, but to just lengthen them. Um, we've been fighting an attempt to lengthen them in, in Nebraska too, and it's uh, it's it just it's just sad to see that these folks are you know they don't have any argument other than gee we we'd like to stay longer in power, but in North Dakota they finally gave it up. I think they realized maybe they did some polling. But they realized that uh, the voters just passed this and told you to leave it alone. And if the first thing you do is to pick it up and decide you're going to try to gut it, then we really know how important these term limits are. And we really know how important these term limits are, even though they in, in the end backed off. I think they decided we better wait until, you know, memories have uh, <laughs> memories have gotten fuzzy. When did they withdraw that? It was uh, late last week. Okay. So about the time you wrote this piece. Yes. Well, no, no, no. This uh, this piece uh, is after they dropped. It is after they dropped it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of dropping and it's over and not. Uh, <laughs> it's right the subject. You know, the uh, the emergency, the uh, the national emergency over. COVID-19 is over. Luckily, we still have a public health emergency. <laughs> and that's what our piece was about on, on Friday. It's over, but it isn't. As we pointed out in this piece, Biden mentioned last September that the, the pandemic's over, that people aren't wearing masks anymore, that it's that it's that it's done what it would have done, I think, had the government done almost nothing. Had there been no vaccine, had there been nothing whatsoever, in fact, I suspect had there been no vaccine and no national state-by-state -state lunacy flipping out about the pandemic, that there would have been fewer deaths because they would have been using drugs to mitigate some of this in a much more aggressive, smarter way, instead of holding everything back and waiting for the magical vaccine. And um, anyway, but but this piece is about that they ended the national emergency over it while it's not until next month that they will end the public health emergency. And I suspect they, you know, there's a few more dollars that need to change hands on the public health side. But um, all of this, and, and they even admit this doesn't have any effect on any individual person. Um and and a lot of what the federal government did didn't have an effect on individual people, but they certainly helped uh, the bullies in the states 
who did claim to have all kinds of governmental power, even though in states like Michigan, um, you know, there, there's very little notice of the fact that after asserting all the power that the governor did, uh, the court said, no, you don't have that power. And uh, and of course, the governor then found other uh, mechanisms and the attorney general did to continue to to abuse people and and really in ridiculous stuff. You know, you can't buy seeds. You can take your you know, you can take a canoe out on the lake, but you can't take a motorboat. You know, the difference uh, that makes covid wise, it didn't make any difference. It's like a weird climate change fetish. And and this is we're governed by people who you know we have to deal with their weird climate change fetishes. Uh, it's really uh, and and you know what also happened this week that we didn't write about is that China after their uh, you know three days of of uh, aircraft carriers and other ships around Taiwan and seventy one planes crossing the 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 median line in the Taiwan Strait. Uh, much less than when Pelosi went over there. So there's some sense that, you know, it looked like China in the last couple of months, last month or so, has kind of started to be softer and, and trying to all of a sudden present their softer image. And uh, and so they didn't do this until Macron left, the idiot from France, and uh, uh, he had visited Beijing uh, to, to kiss Xi Jinping's ring. And, and, then they did all this around Taiwan, but it wasn't as much as it had been in the in the past. Um, but that's that has as that ended, China said, uh, we're ready. Basically, we're ready uh, for war. And, you know, it's it, a lot of times people, you know, we're headed to war. We are headed to war. Arguably, we're in that war, uh, depending on how you want to look at it. But we're certainly headed to it. And I mean, we can, we can say, oh, that's terrible, but there's only, there's only, what do you do? And it strikes me that we can back out of Asia. If we get the, the U S government to just pull everything back out of Asia um, and say, Hey, we won't, we won't cause you any problems, China. Then we're, we're good probably <laughs> at least for a couple of decades, maybe as we struggle economically to, you know, retool, but, but that could be done. Or we get ready to fight a war in such a way that we do everything possible to signal, let's not go to war, but we're ready. It's not going to be successful for you. And that's what I think we ought to do. Um, but it's, it's terribly frightening that, I think so many people involved in our foreign policy don't know the difference between a press release that says we just made weapon sales to Taiwan of 2.70, 2.3 billion, whatever, and actually delivering weapons to Taiwan. And it's, it's I mean, we're, we've, we're like three years behind. They, they've paid billions. And the weapons aren't there. It, part of what came out in some of these uh, leaks was that we don't have it going to get. How did or how did these people who all they can talk about is national security and we can't know anything because they're so controlling the world that we have to be kept in the dark? How are they like so clueless 
that our entire ability to produce weapons and to defend ourselves is is what in a factory in China? And and how did they miss how terrible China is? American people never miss that. I never thought China was really a, uh, they're not bad folks, folks, as, as uh, President Joe told us during the campaign. He's an idiot. And 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 so that, I think, was a, a big story this week that wasn't a big story. But it's a big story. And, and uh, you know, I, I have my own views, which have, have certainly, I'm, I'm uh, if someone said, hey, that's not non-interventionism, so be it. I mean, I think I think having an ally, and then and then going to back up that ally, like you said you would, I don't really consider that intervention. But if someone does, I I get it, and I'm okay with that. In that, I think we're headed to World War II, and and my fear is that we just World War Three. <laughs> That's right. Uh, he signaled three to me. So, uh, but but. You know, we have to deal with that. And and my fear is that we keep building weapons and we keep spending billions and hundreds of billions on defense without any real strategic sense of let's be real about this and let's stop doing stupid stuff. The Afghanistans, the invasions of Iraq, the toppling of Gaddafi and Libya. Let's stop all that crap and let's pay attention to keeping free societies in crucial parts of the world free. I just want to add one thing. I think we've been at war since 2020. Uh, there's a possibility that this whole thing was a was a, a warlike effort. We don't know that it wasn't a warlike effort, this whole pandemic. And I think American government showed that they are as incompetent and boobish as about defending Americans and about getting Americans realistic about what they're facing, what the threats they face. As yes. they are about arming Taiwan, and as we know, you know the Pentagon's failed five major audits. They can't account for where things go. Uh, there was actually a big story about that this week. Big uh, story that wasn't a big story. Right, right. But when the Pentagon basically poo-poos the idea that failing their fifth audit is in any way indicative of corruption, that was the, that was the line we got. I mean, that was silly. That was yeah, silly. yeah. We need to be, we need an accountable government, and we don't have one. Ooh. I should mention that uh, the last piece we talked about for Friday, April 14th, was It's Over, But It Isn't. I'm not sure we actually stated the title of the piece. It's Over, But It Isn't. But I think this podcast is over. But it isn't. We'll be back. <laughs> okay, <very good. laughs> Thank you, sir. Okay, talk later. Bye. Bye. Please go to thisiscommonsense.org to find everything you need to know about this podcast and Paul's program, Common Sense with Paul Jacobs.